Welcome to Access Utah. I'm Tom Williams. Air quality is our topic for today, and we're going to jump into that topic right after a couple of emails on gun rights and gun control. This was our topic on Thursday. I wanted to get these in for you. They came in uh, too late to get them on the program on Thursday. Vigorous discussion in response to the Newtown shootings. Here's what Amadeus in Vernal has to say. I think it would be productive to discuss teachers using pepper spray for classroom protection. Kids might get hit by stray spray, but it's much better to being hit than by a bullet fired from a firearm that was intended to protect them, as often happens in a panic situation. Frankly, I don't trust most people to keep their cool under what could uh, technically be considered almost a combat situation. When we think of self-defense, we seem to immediately jump to the most lethal option, and I don't think it's the best choice. That's Amadeus and Vernal. Thank you for that. And this uh, came in as well. Maybe the solution to these violent outbursts isn't about gun control, school shootings, or mall shootings. Maybe it's about a general loss of unity. Maybe we've lost sight of unity as a nation and are more focused on individuals rather than communities. It is violent outbursts of individuals obsessing over what they feel they deserve until their selfish desires are completely deranged. Thank you for those, and the discussion continues at our website, upr.org. Now the topic for today. We have probably all had this experience. Drive up out of the inversion. First of all, it's nice because the air is warmer up there. But especially coming back down out of the mountains into the valleys, you can just see and feel the bad, dirty air as you come back to the valleys. Um, or maybe you've had the uh, the experience of uh, perching on, the, on a bench up uh, in the foothills and looking out over this air. Uh, at some points, Utah's air and uh, parts of Utah has been considered the worst in the nation. I've heard some friends comparing our air to that of China's. Not a good comparison. And uh, so our question to you is, what can be done? What can we as regular citizens do? What should government do? What can be done? How much of this uh, should be mandatory and how much should be voluntary? By the way, after a very welcome scouring of the air by this recent storm, we're back to yellow air alerts for Cache, Duchesne, Uinta, Salt Lake, Davis, Utah, and Weber counties. And uh, probably it's only going to get worse during this week. In the second half of the program, we're going to talk with Stephanie Tomlin, Program Director for Aggie Blue Bikes and Student Sustainability Office at USU. We'll also talk with Sharice Udell, founder of Utah Moms for Clean Air, and uh, USU Professor Jean Laun, who uh, wrote me an interesting email this week. We'll follow up on that. Right now, we bring in Bo Call, manager of the Air Monitoring Center for the Utah Division of Air Quality. Uh, Mr. Call, welcome to the program. Thank you. I'm welcome to be here. And Jerry Carpenter, a representative for the Utah Transit Authority, uh, joins us. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Uh, let me start with you, uh, Mr. Call. Um, I guess uh, further um, extending this problem uh, here in Cache County, uh, the Cache County officials uh, proposed a solution. EPA rejected that. I believe that had to do with uh, getting some of the older cars off the uh, off the highways uh, and and other uh, solutions. And uh, generally, for Utah, the uh, Air Quality Board is, seems like they're going to go back to the drawing board. And in the meantime, we have possible EPA sanctions. They say they won't impose the most serious of those, but uh, that's, that's hanging over our heads. Um, so uh, just a, a, a general look at the problem. I, I think the, the problem we have is PM 2.5 and ozone, is it not? That is correct. So uh, what, where does this come from? Well, ozone is a, a summertime thing, and it's uh, generally uh, a result of uh, um, uh, pollution emissions and uh, sun and high temperatures, uh, generally speaking. And so um, that's when you see the most of it. Um, PM 2.5 is uh, in Utah is primarily a wintertime um, pollutant uh, where we have a problem with it, and that normally is a problem during inversion periods. If we if we don't have the inversion periods, then we generally don't have a, a that big of a problem with it. But when the air gets stagnant, then the uh, PM 2.5 develops in the in the valleys uh, where the you know where the inversion takes place. Remind us what PM 2.5 is. Um, PM 2.5 is a particulate matter that is 2.5 microns or smaller. Um, this is a uh, most of this stuff is not um, while well, it is a particle. 
it, it is not uh, something that's directly emitted from a smokestack or something like that. It's uh, mostly created in the atmosphere from the uh, basically the pollutant soup that mixes around. Mm-hmm. Where does the pollution come from? You mentioned, uh, and I've read somewhere, that cars are the biggest culprit. Uh, yeah, right now cars are the biggest culprit. I'm not sure exactly the percentages, but they're they're over 50% of the uh, pollution sources are vehicles, uh, mobile sources. Um, you know, industry certainly provides a, a portion of it, but that's uh, that wedge is becoming smaller all the time. Um, so you've got cars, you've got industry. Every home that has uh, some sort of heating system in it um, is going to contribute to that. And then we've got uh, you know other sources. Uh, um, out there, I think in in, in Cash Valley, you have uh, you know cows. Yes, frankly. that's what I've heard. The the mixture of cows and cars, um, and of course the the cows aren't going to go away. I guess that where we're we're looking at uh, isn't this really a behavior problem? If we could get many more people to, uh, to you know to not drive their cars, would would that help? Um, well, yeah, I think it would. Um, you know, cars pollute, and one of the things you'll, if you if you look at the numbers, the older older cars pollute a lot more than newer cars. And so, I mean, if we could just uh, wave the magic wand and give everybody a new car, um, that would probably uh, reduce uh, things quite a bit. But that's that's not going to happen. So, if we can uh, reduce the number of uh, miles we put on our cars, then that would uh, certainly benefit us. Uh, if we can carpool, consolidate trips, uh, you know, limit our driving as much as possible. Um, then that would certainly have a helpful uh, benefit to us. I've been reading uh, Utah Division of Air Quality is rolling out a new air quality alert system. Yes. What, what, what will that, how will that be changed from the old one? Um, well, okay. So basically, um, the, under the old system, we would call no burn days, and we called them red days and yellow days and green days. Um, and we would call uh, a mandatory no burn where um, people could not burn any you know any wood or coal in their home heating systems um, if it produced visible emissions uh, when we on a red day um, and we would call that red day when the the pollution levels got to about thirty five micrograms or the level of the the current uh, national air quality standard um, and that rule has been changed and now Instead of permit, um, well, there's two things that have changed about it. One is that we're going to start calling the no burn days um, at a lower level. So we're trying to be more protective and preventative in nature. So at 25 micrograms, uh, um, we would be calling a mandatory no burn day. And the no burn now includes all solid fuel burning devices. It it, uh, doesn't matter whether you can see visible emissions from them or not. Um, if it's a, a no-burn day, you're not supposed to burn anything. Mm. And w- what has the feedback been? Uh, do people respond to, you know, when it goes red or when it goes yellow, do, do people respond by, by by doing the things that you would like them to do or not doing the things you would not like them to do? Well, based on the, based on the number of complaints we get about uh, and questions we get on it, I know that there's uh, quite a few folks out there that uh, that pay close attention and um, try not to burn or don't burn on days when they're not supposed to. And there's uh, there are still those that um, that aren't tuning in or don't know what the deal is because the same people that don't burn frequently call us and complain about their neighbors who are burning and, you know, what can they do about it. Mm-hmm. It's kind of a, a deal where, hey, if I'm going to comply with the rule, then, you know, that's fine, but make sure you get all everybody else to comply too so we can get the, you know, feel like I'm, the lone guy in the wilderness. Mm-hmm. It sounds like it's kind of a mixed bag. Yes, it is. Yeah. And at this point, that's really all the Division of Air Quality can do, isn't it? There's no there's no, no teeth in, in many of these measures. You you suggest, you urge, and you hope that people comply. Uh, that is that is correct. Um, you know, overall, we have these uh, we have these measures that we, we request people to do. We encourage people to consolidate trips or, or not drive or what have you. Um, and that... Uh, um, you know, there, there isn't really an enforcement in that. Uh, um, there's the you, you mentioned the IM programs. Uh, that is uh, something that that can be can be enforced. Uh, and if uh, the, an IM program uh, gets um, gets implemented in, in Cache Valley, then that will be something that could be uh, implemented up there. Um, but um, you know, that's where that's where we're at currently. Um, and if those measures don't uh, get the desired results and, and the numbers don't come down to where uh, uh, they need to go, then 
um, the next round may have additional um, elements that could be required. We're talking about air quality. We all know the problem. Uh, just uh, last week, we were in the middle of some, some just some awful um, air air quality that was scoured out recently, and that's a, a welcome respite. But we're back to uh, yellow air alerts and increasing problems in uh, Cache County and along the Wasatch Front and in the Uinta Basin as well. And we're throwing out this question to you at one eight hundred eight two six one four nine five. What what can be done, and what what can you and I do? Uh, also, what should government do? We're throwing out the questions too. We'd love to get your perspective. One eight hundred eight two six one four nine five. Perhaps you are doing something. Uh, tell us what you're doing, and maybe you could suggest it to fellow listeners. One eight hundred eight two six one four nine five. Or uh, is status quo fine with you? And that's the attitude of many, I think. Uh, upraxis at gmail.com is our email, upraxis at gmail.com. Let me bring in Jerry Carpenter uh, with the Utah Transit Authority. And uh, I, I think you would say that taking the bus is going to help with air quality. Well, certainly that's part of the solution. Uh, we, uh, the more people you can get out of their cars, uh, get away from driving alone and traveling together, the more we can work to solve this air quality problem, you know, and, and there are lots of different ways to do that. You can ride the bus. If you live in the Salt Lake or, or Utah Valleys, you can ride the train or you can carpool. UTA also has one of the biggest van pool programs in the nation. We have more than 400 van pools, which is a subsidized 7 to 15 passenger van that can carry people from a common origin to a common destination. If we can just take a few more cars off the road, we can make a big difference. Have there been, are you aware of any studies which have quantified this in, in places where this has made a dent in air quality? Uh, significant numbers of people took the bus or carpooled or, uh, you know, or, or or other measures. Well, certainly, yeah, there's there's a lot of literature out, literature out there. And, uh, uh, you know, Los Angeles, the air quality used to be much worse, but since they have increased the level of mass transit, they've been able to make improvements to their air quality. Our goal is to, uh, you know, continue to increase our mode share and increase the number of people that are choosing to ride mass transit here in, along the Wasatch Front. And, and I the- apologize for the background noise. I'm out riding transit this morning and okay. <laughs> got played. <laughs> you're you're actually you're, you're riding the bus or something? I'm I'm practicing what I preach here. Go oh, good good deal good deal. Sounds like trains in the background. So yeah. Um, uh, uh, what this is for for UTA, this is sort of a human behavior problem or opportunity as well, isn't it? You you put out ads, you encourage people to take transit. You can't make them take transit. Well, our primary competitor is the automobile, and uh, one thing that maybe not a lot of people know is that seventy five percent of our riders are choice riders. These are people who have a car or have access to a car but choose to ride public transportation. Our ridership is at an all-time high in 2012. We just got in our numbers for 2012 and carried more than 42 million trips this year. And I guess uh, to have a critical math, and those are good numbers trending in the right direction, you've you got to make it convenient for people, right? And some areas would be would fit in that better than others. We, 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 right. love, we love our cars, right, and because of the convenience. Well, absolutely, and you know, even those, even though those numbers sound impressive, we're still only carrying about three and a half percent of all commuter trips every weekday. Hmm. So, how do you how do you increase that? Well, there's a lot that we've been doing. I'm sure many people are aware that we've uh, been in a major transit expansion along the Wasatch Front. In 2011, we opened two new tracks lines. Just this December, we opened 45 miles of commuter rail down to Utah County. And this year we'll open tracks out to the airport, an extension to Draper, and then there's a, a small streetcar line that uh, goes from South Salt Lake into the Sugar House neighborhood. And all of these offer more choices. And really what we're building here is the backbone of the mass transit system for the most populated part of the state of Utah. Now, that said, there's still an awful lot of work to do. The recession has impacted our budgets. It's made it harder for us to maintain service and in many areas we've had to cut some of the poorer performing routes which means less options for some people 
even though our ridership's at an all-time high, it definitely is concentrated along a core area and into some key destinations like downtown and the University of Utah. Hmm. It seems like the recession, though, also would put pressure getting people out of cars into into the train, uh, you know, the high cost of gas and such. Yeah, you know, uh, the recession has the biggest impact has been to our sales tax revenues. Public transportation is heavily subsidized by taxes. It's true anywhere you go in the world, with the exception of maybe Tokyo and Singapore. But uh, when our revenue source is based on sales taxes and people aren't buying big ticket items like cars or luxury items, it has an impact on our budgets. And our budgets have been impacted to the tune of about $100 million. So that that's hard to translate. Uh, but, uh, I mean, it's it's a serious loss to our operating revenues. If you just joined us, we're talking about air quality in Utah, something we're all dealing with. And uh, some are have a harder time dealing with this than others. I have seen people wearing face masks, for example. And, it, you know, you kind of get a, a, a double take when you wear a face mask, I imagine. But if that's what you got to do uh, to, to try to preserve your health in, in the, uh, the poor air. And we all have had the experience, I think, of uh, going up out of the inversion and coming back down. You can actually, you can, you can see that air. We're trending in the wrong direction again after a uh, winter storm scoured out the air in some of these valleys. Um, also, some people I've heard comparing our air to, to China. Not a favorable comparison these days, of course. What can be done? What should you and I do is my main question I'm throwing out to you at 1-800-826-1495. 1-800-826-1495. Or is the status quo just fine? 1-800-826-1495. Or you can email us at upraxis at gmail.com. Upraxis at gmail.com. Talking right now with Jerry Carpenter with the Utah Transit Authority and Bo Call, Manager of Air Monitoring Center for the Utah Division of Air Quality. Later on, we'll be talking with Stephanie Tomlin, Program Director for Aggie Blue Bikes and the Student Sustainability Office at USU. Sharice Udell, founder of Utah Moms for Clean Air. And Gene Lown, Professor of Family, Consumer, and Human Development, who has some interesting take on this issue. Let me turn back to Bo Call uh, with the Air Monitoring Center. Uh, I'm curious, do you, do you monitor out in the Ona Basin as well? And uh, the, I, I hear that there's an increasing problem out there. Is that industry? Um, you know, they really don't know what it is out there. there there's not very many people out there, um, not a big population base, uh, but there's an awful lot of um, energy uh, development going on, either, uh, you know, oil wells, natural gas wells, and the whatnot. Um, and, the, you know, out in the, out in the basin, the, the problem... Uh, that we're trying to identify now is is why they have high levels of ozone or can have high levels of ozone during the winter. Um, you know, as I said before, ozone is primarily a summertime pollutant, but uh, um, we had a couple of winters uh, where we had some really high values of ozone out there, and so there's an ongoing study to try and identify um, what the what the cause is of that. Um, you know, I have to say that it's, it's probably rooted in in industry at some level um, because you've got to have the pollution. Uh, precursors in order for ozone to develop. And uh, I have experienced firsthand some of the problems, and this goes back a few years. I, I grew up in Vernal, and I remember, and, and of course, uh, Uinta Basin has the same problem as some of the smaller valleys do. It's it's a big basin, but uh, it, it is a bowl, <laughs> and, yes. and you have the same problem of inversion. The cold air gets trapped in, and I remember some winters, uh, it, it seemed like you were walking through soup. It was, you, you walked outside and it just felt unhealthy. Uh, it, it doesn't seem quite as bad this year since it went when I've been out. But it's uh, today yellow air alert for for uh, UN and Duchesne counties. Yes, it's you know it's they have the same type of a bowl situation. Uh, you know you start seeing these uh, these patterns develop and you can start looking for um, areas where they have the same sort of topography. And once you uh, get enough of you know, either industry or human presence or activity there that uh, generates some pollution, then you can, uh, you know, you kind of expect there to be maybe some pollution, so you can go look for it. Mm. Um, there are also, you know, we may have a bit of a 2.5 issue out there. Um, you know, that's kind of secondary at the moment to the uh, the ozone study, but we are seeing some elevated uh, 2.5 levels at times. The number is 1-800-826-1495, toll-free anywhere you're listening. My question to you, what can we do? 
I think a lot of us want to do something, but uh, we uh, there's a bit of a stalemate with government right now, standoff in the Cache uh, County between the, the officials here and the EPA. Uh, the Air Quality Board has uh, said they're starting over. Uh, there may be some progress there. There are some suggestions, but uh, what can you and I do about this? Throwing out that question to you, and what should government do? 1-800-826-1495. And we welcome now in uh, Susie in uh, Vernal. Susie, glad you called. Thanks. Thank you. Thanks for taking my call. Um, I was just wondering, how bad is the air in Vernal compared to the rest of the nation? I'm, I'm worried about my children growing up here. And also, how much of it is related to, like, the evaporation pits out in the basin and off-gassing from the wells and things like that? Well, I guess I would have to say that the, uh, you know, last winter we did a study and the air out there was just fine. We didn't really see any elevated levels. Um, however, the couple of years previous, the ozone levels um, were as high as you really had seen any place else. Um, the, uh, the standard for ozone is uh, um, 75 parts per billion, basically, and uh, we were seeing uh, levels um, in excess of 100 and in some days uh, in excess of, uh, you know, 110 or 120 for an eight-hour average. Mm-hmm. And just to put it in perspective, um, 120 uh, kind of rivals the kind of uh, ozone levels you'd have in, uh, you know, some of the larger California uh, cities, you know, Los Angeles, and the like on their high days. Wow. But, that, you know, it's, that's for a, a few days, not necessarily an extended period of time, but they are getting up there. Um, folks with respiratory issues, um, asthma or uh, some other respiratory um, uh, concerns, um, we're most likely going to feel it when you, when you start getting levels that high. You're going you're gonna to notice it. Hmm. So, Zuz, you're, you're worried especially about your children. Yes, um, I have small children, and I just wonder... You know, I've I've heard that studies suggest that you know long-term effects like asthma and, and other issues you know can can arise from exposure to these sorts of pollutants, and I I just kind of worry about that. <laughs> mm, yeah, yeah, I think understandably. Uh, it's, I, I, maybe I can ask you this, uh, Susie. I was recently out in the Invernal, and I noticed uh, signs up for a transit system, but I never once saw a bus go by. Do you, do you, you know I, if there's a transit um, system out there? I believe there's a bus um, from Roosevelt and Vernal back and forth. Okay. Um, beyond that, I, I'm not aware of any sort of bus system. There's no train out here. Mm-hmm. Um, there's taxis, but that's about it. Yeah, so I guess you'd have to get on your bike if you wanted to reduce the car yes, pollution. Yes, um, you can bike. There's there's no sidewalks in a lot of places, so it's a little nerve-wracking. But um, you can bike, and a lot of places you can walk You know, if you're not going too far, but yeah. um, in a lot of instances, I don't really know how you'd do it without using a car, mm-hmm. especially in the wintertime. Right. Well, Susie, thanks for your perspective. Appreciate that. Thank you. Bye. Susie called 1-800-826-1495. 1-800-826-1495. We're asking questions, what can we do about this air quality problem? We have uh, out in the Uona Basin, along the Wasatch Front, Cache uh, County, uh, Tooele County, Box Elder County are, are having air quality problems. And this is a problem we can actually see and feel on, on some bad days. And it's having health effects. Uh, what can we do and what can what should government do? 1-800-826-1495. Uh, Jerry Carpenter, I wonder if, if you know, is uh, the, the, of course, you're with the UTA and, and it's along the Wasatch Front, but uh, are there working transit systems other places in some of the rural areas? Well, certainly there's a, a transit system in Logan uh, and uh, also SunTrans down in St. George. Park City has a, a local transit system as well. Uh, but most smaller communities do not have any form of public transportation. And, uh, you know, certainly there's a, a high cost involved in operating public transportation, and you really need uh, the, the ridership to justify it. Mm-hmm. So in some areas, if you don't have a, a good transit system, I guess the solution is more get on your bike, or you can still carpool, I suppose. Yeah, carpooling is a wonderful way to reduce, uh, you know, the amount of emissions that you're producing. Another way is trip chaining. In other words, planning your trips better. Instead of going to the store, making three different trips to the store for three different items, plan a little better and make sure that you know your grocery shopping list, know which stores you're going to hit, and then just do it all in one trip. Hmm. Even just simple steps like that can make a difference in the long run. Hmm. 
we're uh, coming down to the end of this uh, half of the program. Uh, I want to uh, direct this to uh, to Mr. Call, uh, again, as manager of the Air Monitoring Center, Utah Division of Air Quality. Uh, this is probably not your department, but uh, I did get an email from uh, Professor Lown. She's uh, coming on with us in the second half of the program. Um, and uh, she took me to task a bit for uh, reading what uh, you have on your website. There, <laughs> And I, uh, we do use your, your website with the red and yellow air alerts and such. But uh, directly under, say, the red air alert uh, on the main page there, you have unhealthy for sensitive persons. And her point was, if you say that, you sort of perhaps make other people relax and say, okay, this, this isn't per- potentially bothering me. It's, this is only a, a message for unsensitive uh, persons. I wonder what your response to that is. Well, you know, air pollution is a very personal thing. Um, you know, what we tell people all the time is that, uh, you know, if you're being impacted, you need to find out what your personal level of, of uh, impact is. And... Uh, you know, what the, what the charts tell us is that those that already have uh, some sort of respiratory condition are going to be impacted sooner than a normally health, normal healthy adult. So the first level is kind of a warning that the, this is the level that could impact people that are sensitive, either our, our seniors, uh, young kids, uh, people with asthma or other respiratory issues. But, you know, from a personal level, each person has to really decide and figure out what level it is that starts to impact their activities so they can feel it. And that's, you know, that, that's pretty easy to do. You just keep a, a bit of a log, and when you start to feel the impacts, you figure out uh, what levels they are that day. And over time, you'll figure, um, you'll get a history, and you'll know that, hey, when the, when the particulate levels get to 40, then I start feeling it, so I want to limit my outdoor activity. If um, they don't limit you till you get to 60, then maybe you're just going to ignore the everything until it, it gets to 60. But that's kind of what that is. Well, we've uh, reached the end of this part of the program. We're going to bring on uh, Program Director for Aggie Blue Bikes and the Student Sustainability Office, uh, the founder of Utah Moms for Clean Air, and uh, Professor Gene Lown in the second half of the program. We've been talking with Bo Call, Manager of Air Monitoring Center for Utah Division of Air Quality, and Jerry Carpenter, Representative of Utah Transit Authority. I want to give each of you gentlemen a chance to uh, give us a place to go for more information. Uh, Bo Call first. Um, we have a pretty good website. It's the uh, airquality.utah.gov. And uh, and I would say to go there, you can find out what the current events are and current conditions for um, all the air quality uh, locations that we monitor around the state, as well as uh, links to suggestions for what you can do on a personal basis to uh, reduce your air pollution impact. Uh, airquality.utah.gov. Thank you. Yes. And Jerry Carpenter, best place to go for UTA. Well, for UTA, you can go to rideuta.com, R-I-D-E-U-T-A.com. Or we're also on Facebook and Twitter. Those are great sources of information as well. Okay, ride.uta.com. Thank you so much, Bo Call and Jerry Carpenter. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. We're going to continue this discussion. We're throwing out this question to you as well. What can we do? And what should government do? 1-800-826-1495. And while we're assembling our next panel, let's bring in our next caller. Uh, Is it Candace, USU? Canis. Uh, Canis, okay. No, uh, Janus. Uh, Canis. J A N. Oh, Jan- sorry. Sorry, Janice. <laughs> I, right. I apologize for that. Uh, Janice, uh, glad you called. Go ahead with your question or comment. Um, I grew up in Southern California, and of course, San Fernando Valley has the same geography, the basin, and we suffered with terrible air, uh, just as we are again here. The. Uh, Air quality was greatly improved under Governor Reagan, and I think it's something that's maybe overlooked here in Utah, and that's the high level of sulfur in the coal that's burned in the power plants. The pollution there was cleaned up when Reagan had strict restrictions on the amount of sulfur in coal. After Jerry Brown got in, he reduced the restrictions, and the air got dirty again. Um, I wonder how much the power plants are monitored and what level of sulfur is in the coal that they burn, because you can actually see that flowing out of the smokestacks in the different power plants here in Utah. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I do, I do know uh, some of the industry is monitored. Uh, I'm, I'm sorry, I, I uh, 
I said goodbye to my guests before I got you on, so we're not able to do that. But but you're, I think we would take your point. Um, stricter controls in California on industry were were very helpful. Well, and and again, when it was reduced, when the restrictions were reduced, then the air got dirty again. It mm, just seems right. so obvious. I, I wondered why that couldn't be um, put in place here as well. Okay. To make sure that it isn't our power plants. Yes, we love our power and electricity, but we don't like the pollution. Um, and, you know, personally, I don't burn coal or fuel. Of course, I use electricity and gas to heat my home, but uh, I think too much blame is put on cars instead of on the power plants and the hmm. contaminants from there. Yeah, that's what I was just going to ask you. Um, from your experience there in, in California, it sounds like you you think the restrictions on industry had a bigger effect than the measures yes, about cars. I certainly do. Okay. Um, one of my other concerns is one of the local manufacturers I worked for at a time. You could taste the pollutions inside the plant, hmm. and of course, in my own belief is that's a big part of our contaminants here in Cache Valley. Yeah. Well, I appreciate your perspective. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Bye. That's uh, Janice and Logan, and uh, you can call as well. In fact, we hope that you do. The question we're throwing out to you at 1-800-826-1495. Uh, we've, we've heard uh, the effects uh, that uh, these pollutants can have on our bodies, and we'll get into that a little more in the second half of the program as well. Uh, we've heard about uh, sort of the stalemate. That's where we are with regard to government, uh, uh, county government and state government, sort of in a, in a standoff with the EPA. Uh, my first question to you is, what can we do? What can you and I do? And, and can we have an effect? Second question, what should government do? And how much of this should be voluntary and how much mandatory? Those questions out to you at 1-800-826-1495, or you can email us at upraxis at gmail.com. We'll be talking about this in the second half of the program following this brief break. It's called the Elf, electric, lightweight, and fun. Folks seem to love this new solar-powered bicycle. I think it's exciting. When I was a little kid, I always wondered if you could make a car, a car for real out of bicycles. So, like, to me, it's like the sci-fi orgasm of the future is now, and I would love to have one. And we take it out for a spin. I'm Steve Kerwood. Join me next time on Living on Earth from PRI. Wednesday morning at 10 here on Utah Public Radio. Hi, it's Lynn Rosetto-Casper. This week we're looking at the sometimes scandalous world of extra virgin olive oil. We're heading to the Donut Vault in Chicago with the Stearns and playing Stump the Cook with Modern Family's Ty Burrell. That's this week on The Splendid Table from APM. Tuesday morning at 10 on Utah Public Radio. Support for Utah Public Radio is provided by the Cache Valley Center for the Arts, celebrating 20 years this season, bringing the show style of marching bands to the stage with the musical showcase Drumline Live. Tomorrow, Wednesday at 7.30, ticket information is at ellenecclestheater.org. You're listening to Access Utah. I'm Tom Williams. Thanks so much for listening. Air quality is our topic We've all uh, seen the problem. You can actually see the problem. Uh, you don't have to even drive up out of the valley and come back down. You can just go out of your house. And I mentioned I've had experiences not only in uh, Cache uh, Valley or the Wasatch Front, but in the Ona Basin where I grew up, where uh, you just didn't want to leave the house. We're all dealing with this. And my question to you is what can and should we do as regular citizens? Of course, we've had the debates on government, and we'd love your uh, comments on that as well. What should government do? How much of this should be voluntary? How much mandatory? What are the effects on our health? By the way, before we uh, jump into our panel uh, for the second half of the program and your comments, uh, I've neglected to uh, offer these tickets. We have from the Cash Valley Center for the Arts two pair of tickets to Drumline Live. You just heard Addison talk about that. And uh, have a pair of tickets to uh, tomorrow night's performance, 7.30 on Tuesday, and another pair of tickets to Wednesday's performance. Uh, So, I suppose, Janice, you could call back in and get these tickets. I neglected to (laughs) offer that for you. Uh, But we'd love to have you call. Uh, That's all you have to do. Call 1-800-826-1495. Tell us you'd love the tickets 
probably would have to be in the Cache uh, County area to, to get those, since uh, we probably couldn't get those out in the outlying areas. 1-800-826-1495. Two pair of tickets, one to Tuesday night and one to Wednesday night for Drumline Live in downtown Logan, Cache Valley Center for the Arts. As I've been saying, uh, some people are wearing face masks. I don't know if you've seen that around in, in Cache County. Some people comparing our air to that of China, and that's, of course, not a favorable comparison. We bring in Sharice Udell, founder of Utah Moms for Clean Air, joins us on the telephone. Thanks for joining us again. Thank you. Good morning. Uh, good morning. And in studio is uh, Stephanie, is it Tomlin? Correct. Um, yeah. Program Director for Utah uh, for Aggie Blue Bikes and Student Sustainability Office at USU. Thanks for coming in. Yeah, thanks for having me. And uh, Jean Lowne, Professor in the Family, Consumer, and Human Development Department, it joins us. Thank you. Glad to be here. And uh, let me uh, start with with uh, Stephanie Tomlin. We just heard a promotional announcement for Living on Earth. You'll be able to hear all about this tomorrow or Wednesday morning at ten on the program. Mm-hmm. And uh, Professor Lown picked this up: uh, solar powered bikes. Have you heard anything about this? To be honest, I haven't really. I've seen. I'm from Salt Lake originally, and there were a few kind of local companies. It sounded like that were doing something similar to this, but mm-hmm. not the specific company and what their what their efforts are but it's an interesting concept definitely yeah, that would yeah. that would be attractive to me if that provided the power yeah I guess, but, <laughs> got you but up of the course hills. part of yeah. part of the attraction is it provides you with the exercises exactly. as well mm-hmm. um and uh, let me uh, go first to our next caller and then we'll we'll bring in our other guests and we'll get response from our guest uh, to brett in logan brett uh, glad you called go ahead hi i was been listening to the program this morning and this is something I'm pretty interested in. I grew up here in Cache Valley. Um, I had asthma as a child, and I still kind of do now. Um, but in, your, in regards to your question about what can we do as citizens, um, in a few of the classes I took at Utah State University, um, kind of the answer seemed to be that we need to use our, um, you know, just personal, we need to make it a social norm that, you monitor the air when you live in Cache Valley, and Cache Valley, and when it's bad, you, you know, you do carpool and things like that. I, I feel like there's kind of a feeling amongst citizens that it's weird to call your friend and try to carpool, or um, that you'd be looked down upon if, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to drive today because it's a red air day. You know, I feel like there's kind of a feeling in the community that that, that doesn't really matter. You know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I think there is a that, that attitude out there among a lot of people. To, uh, you know, you might actually see and taste the air, but but hey, I'm going to hold to my habits, and it's not that bad of a problem. Right, and I also I think uh, if there was some way to convey quantifiable information to the everyday person about you know does driving you know seven blocks to the grocery store and seven blocks back is that really going to hurt the air? Because I feel like mm-hmm. we're most of us don't think that that, you know, that short of a trip is really going to impact the air quality. But when everybody's taking that seven-block trip, you know, that's what's, that, that's the problem. See, Professor Lown is, sh- is shaking her head up and down. She's agreeing yeah, with Yeah, I think the short trips are the most polluting, especially when the air is cold like this and you're starting a cold engine. And then the terrible problem of people who leave their cars idling in the grocery store parking lot while they go in. Yeah. Right. So I, I agree. We totally need to change. We need to really educate people that yeah. this is a serious problem, not not, not just for people who ha- are sensitive. For every single one of us, we need to right. understand that this PM 2.5 pollution is very bad for all of us. It doesn't just affect our lungs. It also affects our hearts. And we have the premier researcher in the world, <laughs> practically, at BYU, Dr. C. Arden Pope, who has unequivocally demonstrated this. Uh, everybody needs to go online, Google his name, C. Arden Pope, look at the article that he wrote with a uh, professor from the uh, Dockery from the Harvard School of Public Health, and find out, because the politicians aren't telling us, the Utah Division of Air Quality is not telling us how bad this is for every single one of us even those who are young and healthy. Hmm. I, want to, I want to follow up, Brett. You talked about social norms, and that is powerful. That can be a powerful uh, controller of human behavior and, right. and people being embarrassed to, to carpool this We problem. absolutely have to change these social norms. Yeah. Right. I, I feel like uh, if we could somehow, you know, in studying social norms, um, there, 
kind of learning about, you know, there's different social leaders in different social groups. And if there would be some way to kind of get those people on board that, hey, even though it's, you know, negative two today, I'm going to call my friends and see if they want to walk, you know, with mm-hmm. <laughs> air masks on, you know, just being silly, but really not being silly. Mm-hmm. No, you're, like you're right on target, A Brett. lot of people need to wake up and say, why is this group of people wearing, you know, gas masks today? Right. I mean, right. sometimes showing extreme, you know, it's not. It can be seen as funny, but I feel like there's an element of seriousness mm-hmm. within the humor. Uh, Brett, before we let you go, I'm, I'm curious. You say you have had asthma. Uh, what What do you have to do to deal with the there on on, on on the bad days? You know, as I've as I've gotten older, my asthma has lessened. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I definitely can tell when we have bad air. Yeah. Um, so I usually have to, you know, either stay inside, which isn't that much fun because I'm fairly active, or I I try to go in the mountains because the air, you know, the inversion doesn't seem to get yeah. get up there. And I usually take pictures of the inversion and send it to my friends. <laughs> hey, great job. <laughs> Pretty, yeah, yeah, let them know the problem. And that's for some of us, that's what we can, can do. I guess you can get up and out of it. Uh, but for others, they're not able to. Brett, I'm glad you called. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. We'd love to have your perspective. Uh, love to have your um, your take on this. 1-800-826-1495. What can we do? Uh, sort so of we yeah that, yes um, uh, jump in this is Cherie Shudell. yes I want to just um because yeah I, I do believe the social norms is a is a big um, issue and I'm glad that it was brought up um, I like to bring attention to the don't be a litter bug campaign of the 1970s I remember as a kid um, driving down the freeway and people would be throwing their trash outside the car and that was deemed acceptable and then at some point um, the um, our government said okay this is unacceptable and we need to um, have fines for that kind of behavior is also um, education. And we look back, and that worked. Um, yeah. Most people mm-hmm. now would be deeply embarrassed to be seen throwing trash out of their car. Now, of course, some people still don't care, but they're the minority, and they are looked down upon. So that campaign of changing social norms really worked. So how can we do the same thing for um, irresponsible air pollutings, for example, mm-hmm. um, irresponsibly idling your car outside of grocery store? Or, um, you know, for example, at some point, could it be an embarrassment on a red air day to be seen driving your car alone? Mm -hmm. Um, So how can we change those social norms? Um, I know within my social group here in Salt Lake City, those social norms have already changed. You know, but how do we get the entire public on board? And I think looking back at the Don't Be a Litter Bug campaign and Give a Hoot and Don't Pollute um, could shed a lot of uh, um, positive inspiration um, on this daunting problem. We do have a caller next. I want to uh, um, to to bring in uh, Stephanie Tomlin uh, on this, uh, but uh, that is a good question uh, because that's a big mountain to climb. Yeah. Right now, it's the exact opposite of what uh, Sharice Udell is, is talking about. It's I think Brett is right. Uh, maybe a majority would would see some people who are hardcore on this as a, as a little out there, and yeah. it, it, the, to, to solve the problem, it needs to be reversed <laughs> exactly. Um, and bicycles or yeah. would be part of the solution yeah i um i mean it's definitely something it, i can kind of speak a lot to that that hardcore you know mentality of you know well i i mean like i rode my bike today to the studio and it's negative seven outside but it's it's just become kind of ingrained it's just something that you know like that's my primary form of transportation and that being said you know not everyone can do that and that's completely acceptable but finding those days um and i agree with what we were talking about earlier with those smaller trips being able to identify some of those smaller trips that you could possibly you know either utilize the bus or you know perhaps perhaps a bicycle or, or walk um, in order to kind of eliminate some of those because um, the thing is the trips add up and they you know they very much they they might it might not seem like a lot on a daily basis but um, they, they certainly add up and that can be the problem so so cycling is definitely can be a great option and that's kind of what we're doing at Aggie Blue Bikes is not only are I mean we lend bikes for three months at a time free of charge for students and faculty Mm -hmm. and staff at Mm -hmm. Utah State University I mean it doesn't get much better than that we also do all the maintenance on the bikes but we also there's an education element like in order for these uh, students to check out bikes they have to take a safety quiz and we we emphasize air quality we talk about why you know riding your bike is is an important factor in this in the air quality issues we have in in Cache Valley as well as in you know all all along the Wasatch Front. So um, it's kind of you know we look at it in that way, and I think uh, we we try very hard to 
you know, give that information to students that maybe they don't even, they wouldn't even necessarily relate the two. They just want a bike because it's a, a cheap form of transportation. But it's mm-hmm. like, hey, you know, pat on the back. This is also what you're doing mm-hmm. by riding your bike. So, yeah. let me uh, let me bring in our caller, and then I know Professor Lan has some comments as well. Uh, Marcy and Logan, Marcy, uh, thanks for calling. You bet. Um, so I have two comments. One, I would love to advocate families to walk to church on Sunday. Typically, they live one block to three blocks away. Um, I love to walk, whether it's rain or snow or sunny, and it's just such a fun family activity. It's a wonderful part, and it's good exercise for the kids. Um, I see a lot of driving, you know, uh, one Mm -hmm. block away or, you know, one and a half blocks away. So I'd like to see that change. And then like I said, it would be more fun to do with the family. And the second thing is, and, and I, this is a question that I have for you because I don't know the answer. Would it help Cache Valley to plant a lot more evergreens? Hmm, interesting. I don't know if any, any of our guests would, would know. If, if, that, if that would make a significant dent, I don't know. Sharice uh, Udell, have you seen any studies on, on this as a, as a proposal? Well, I've seen um, studies on tree planting to help reduce um, air pollution. I'm not sure if evergreens um, have, um, if they're highly efficient in um, purifying the air. And that is actually a very interesting question. What I have found in general is that it's the big leafy, you know, wide leafy plants, mm-hmm. whether they're indoor or outdoor plants, that mm-hmm. tend to um, be better air filters. But I don't know about the pines. That's a really interesting question. Mm. Question, because obviously in the winter, um, the big leafy mm-hmm. trees aren't going to be helpful. Yeah, exactly. And and Logan is already pretty has a lot of trees. I suppose we could I, plant more trees. Yeah. Well, we also need to uh, water them and maintain them because it's mm. really sad to see all the trees that Logan City has planted, uh, particularly in replacing the parking in the parking strips, mm. and then yeah, watching true. these trees die. Yeah, yeah. You, we've seen a lot of trees go down as well. Mm-hmm. That's an interesting suggestion, and and. Um, and Marcy, I, I've witnessed this as well on Sundays, <laughs> where, where you know because uh, um, you, you you tend to live most of us close to our church buildings, mm-hmm. and I've witnessed this where uh, you know the, the people get in their uh, cars and drive one block. I, I've been guilty of that first myself. First, they let the car run. Embarrassment to be driving your car because it's socially irresponsible. I mean, mm-hmm. if the church, I would love to see the church, and I've I've put feelers out multiple times in in the Salt Lake area to try to find someone at the church that would take this on, um, because it's a top-down institution here. At least with the Mormon Church, it's very hard to get a grassroots movement of people going. It really kind of has to come from the top down. But I would love to find someone at the top who would take this on and say, you know, this is the responsible thing to do. Plus, it's good for your families. It's healthy. It's good family bonding. That is, again, changing social norms. Mm-hmm. Also, I'd like to see solar panels on the LDS churches. Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah that could but be. I, I think that's a great thing because it's got to be more than just individual decisions to ride a bike or walk or take public transit. Mm-hmm. But more than Above all this, uh, and along with what was just suggested by Marcy, is we need to have a clean slate of politicians in this state and particularly in Cache County because our county executive and county council are one of our worst enemies in terms of addressing this problem. And we need to reinstate. We had a, a recently a pe- per vehicle pollution fee. I think it was two dollars a year, which you know, talk about pennies. And we need to increase that. And every vehicle needs to pay it. And so we can hire a coordinator to bring together researchers at BYU, the University of Utah, Utah State. We have the best minds in the nation in the world for social psychology, how to change people's behaviors, for political science, uh, to change the way politicians look at this issue. It's got to be much, much bigger than individual. I'm totally with the individual decisions. I ride my bike. We just bought solar panels. We just bought a plug-in Prius. So when I drove here this morning, I was not emitting anything from my tailpipe. Uh, But it's got to be a comprehensive approach. And one of the first ways to get that is to get rid of the county council, get people on there who really are willing to take a few minutes to educate themselves, to read about and understand how bad this is for all of us and how we're all paying. We are all paying because of these higher health care costs. I may not have asthma, but I'm paying through my health insurance premiums, um, through 
all the associated costs. And when people don't have health insurance, those who have health insurance pay more to care for them. It is a, and we've got to get the Chamber of Commerce involved. Uh, th- those are all great suggestions. Thank, thank you. Uh, uh, thank you, Marcy, for calling. Appreciate you. Uh, um, uh, we'd, we've been having uh, uh, such an intense discussion. I've lost track of the time. We're down to uh, about three minutes left. I want to give uh, Sharice Udell uh, sort of some final comments. What, uh, what do you think would be the biggest uh, thing we could do as citizens to impact this problem? Well, I mean, it's interesting. In, up in Cache um, Valley, you guys have a slightly different problem than we have down here. We both have an air pollution problem, but the causes are different. So from what I understand, and, and actually your other people on the panel probably know better than I do, but from what I understand, it's mainly agriculture and cars um, in your valley that's the mm-hmm. big problem. Um, fertilizers, um, I understand, are a huge problem. That's not so much of a problem here in Salt Lake. Um, and then also unregulated farm equipment. I think if I was on the city council, if I was an elected official in that area, one of the first things I'd want to tackle are, um, is, is the category of unregulated farm equipment. And I don't you know if your other, other panelists want to comment on that, um, if there's been any attempt in the area to address that and then to also look at the fertilizers. So, again, the people using the farm equipment and the fertilizers um, are externalizing their costs of doing their business onto the rest of the community. Um, and um, that's problematic. Um, that's the same thing as Rio Tinto in our area. They're running a very profitable mining operation, and um, it's more profitable because they don't take care of their pollution, and they externalize it onto the community. So, and then also, obviously, you have a, a, a car problem there, and I understand there have been some efforts to um, have mandatory emission um, checks, and I understand that that didn't quite go through. It was um, totally up in the right direction. Yeah, yeah it was. It was tabled. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we just have about a minute left. Um, so, uh, contact information for Aggie Blue Bikes and Utah or USU Sustainability Office. <clears throat> um, yeah, it's usu.edu/backslash/abb for Aggie Blue Bikes. We are. Um, we're also on Facebook. That's a good a, a good way to get um, in touch with us. Um, but yeah, and then we're just we're actually right on campus in between military science and the field house, right on. 7th North, so okay. we're really accessible. P- potential solution to yeah. the problem. Uh, Jean Lown, I guess uh, uh, you would suggest... Um, well, I, I'd like to know from Sharice, why don't more parents care? Why mm. don't more care- parents care about their kids' health? <laughs> Utah claims well, to be family-friendly. they get well, educated well, on the issue, they freak out. It's just a, it's mm-hmm. a lack of education. I mean, because before I started this organization, I had no idea of the impact of air pollution on my children. And I went to Yale and did a degree in environmental studies, and I had no idea. So what's the average person? You know, where are they standing on this? So it, again, is just community-wide education is the first part. And once parents understand, then they tend to freak out. <laughs> well, well, we'll leave it there. Uh, we've been talking with Sharice Udell, uh, uh, founder of Utah Moms for Clean Air. Thank you so much. Thank you. Gene Lown, Professor in Family, Consumer, and Human Development Department. Thanks for coming Thank you, in. Tom. Appreciate it. And uh, Stephanie Tomlin, Program Director for Aggie Blue Bikes and Student Sustainability Office at USU. Thanks. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, we'll just uh, fit this in quickly, just uh, for your uh, uh, meditation. Uh, we had a caller who didn't want to go on the air but uh, wondered why we haven't had any Olympic athletes out of Cache Valley and wondered if that is connected to the air pollution uh, problem. Of course, uh, Ruland Gardner grew up, he lives here now, but he grew up in uh, Star Valley in Wyoming, so I guess he we couldn't fit him in. Anyway, the conversation can continue at upr.org, and we would invite you to do so. upr.org, click on Access Utah and find today's program. You can comment. For producer Shalane Smith-Needham, I'm Tom Williams. Thanks for listening today.